So, you're interested in purchasing a Nikon camera system, but you might feel frozen with all the different options you have available. Well, today, Bill Smith and I are going to sit down and ask you, do you want to buy a Nikon? Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival, coming to you from the Greater Toronto Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode. Okay, so there is a lot of options out there for Nikon. And Bill Smith and I are unabashed Nikon fanboys. You will pry our F-mounts from our cold dead hand. So today we're going to talk about putting together your first Nikon kit. It could be a rangefinder, it could be an SLR, it could even be a point-and-shoot. So there are a few things out there that we're going to start off with, and we're going to start off with some of the older Nikon options, and that is the rangefinders. So I'm going to turn it over to Bill because he has a lot more knowledge about this, um, and we're going to start off with which version of the Nikon S would you recommend? Thank you, Alex. Um, okay, uh, let's roll back to last summer, or June. I've always sort of thought I want a Nikon rangefinder, but again, it was like, you know, it was not a humongous priority. I had a pair of Leica M mount bodies. I got a couple of cans, screw mount. You know, Nikon rangefinders weren't, but then Joan had a Nikkor S2. And then a month later, uh, my lovely girlfriend, Joanne, enabled me at Downtown Camera and I wound up with an SP. So, of course, that's my introduction. Now, Nikon rangefinders are interesting cameras. Uh, the system was based on the Contax 2, the Contax 3, and then, of course, the post-war 2A and 3A, respectively, although Nikon's, Nikon, Nikon's stick with the 2A kind of form factor and made a ton of improvements, i.e. horizontal shutter and uh, a lever film advance, which is kind of cool. So you're asking, Bill, that's lovely and all, but what camera should I start with? Well, if you're running with sort of a, a cost to performance ratio and you want something that is easy to use I, and you're not ready to drop a humongous pile of money on an SP, they go into the, they started around $1,100 to go and they go up from there, depending on uh, the S2. The S2 was from the middle, probably the back half of the 50s. It uh, goes uh, basically bulb to one one thousandth of a second. They have sort of two shutter dials, one on top of each other. So it's like the one sixtieth and above, and then they got another one for, you know, one thirtieth and below. That you have to sort of finesse. But again, it's like you see where Nikon, Nikon was going with it. And generally, you can get a decent one for about $700. And that includes a Nikon, Nikkor, HC 50F2 S mount lens. Now, cosmetically, you look at it going, wow, it looks a lot like those contacts rangefinder lenses. Yes, they use the same mount. Now, granted, I'm not sure how interchangeable the Nikkor S mount lenses are with contacts. Uh, your mileage may vary. So um, I'm just going to say, yeah, it may be the same lens mount, but distances might be slightly different. You know, you know, use your own judgment. Don't come hunting for me saying, hey, man, this didn't. Uh, so, yeah, generally keep keep the Nik the Nikkor uh, S mount lenses. Just build an ecosystem around it. So generally an S2 will come with a 
50F2 Nikkor HC and 50F2 lens, which is like an extremely sharp uh, piece of glass that will deliver amazing photos all day, every day. Uh, viewfinder is only geared for the 50 millimeter lens. So if you want to use the 35 F 2.5, which is a lovely wide, wider angle lens, um, Nikkor, Nikon made a, made this lens. It was an amazing bit of kit. It had a, ver a various incarnations throughout the life of the uh, rangefinder system, which went from post-World War II up until probably about the mid-60s, I want to say. And then they just, the Nikon F just basically took over as the pro body of choice. So uh, you'll need an accessory viewfinder, wide angle, or a telephoto. And of course, they have a couple of telephotos to choose from. The 5, I think it's the 1.8 F2. And you've got the 105 2.5, which is, of course, the, the, the magic lens from Nikon. Um, and it's that for, lens formula, basic formula, is sort of lived through Mount Series, although they uh, went from a Zeissonar-style formula to a Zenitar from Schneider sometime when they kind of mucked around in the 70s. So that's a little bit of lens geekery right there. Uh, also, Nikon had an S-mount 135 as well. Again, you're going to need an accessory view all of them because, again... The viewfinder is only good for 50 millimeters. Now that said, that viewfinder, it's big and beautiful. If anyone is shot with like a screw mount lens camera, um, yeah, you got to squint really hard and you got two to play with because it's like you've got one for focusing and another one for composition. Both Nikon and Canon kind of took that great leap forward and, uh, you know, made it a much easier rangefinder experience in the 1950s. Now, the S2, it's a great camera. It's got a, it's a cloth focal plane shutter. Now, if you've got a little bit more money to spend, you then you're really kind of looking for something that's really cool. Then the SP is what you want. Again, the advantage is it's got frame lines for 35, 50, 85, 105, and 135. And you have to, of course, use a selector on top. They also have frame lines for 35 and 28. Now, you're going to ask, is the 28 lens good? Well, uh, it kind of depends who you ask in the vintage Nikon camera community. You know, some people love it. Some people hate it. Uh, I think in the rangefinders, I find I shoot tend not to shoot wider than 35 mil. And again, if you're one of the lucky uh, to come across a Voigtlander lens and S-mount, because Casino Voigtlander, about 20 years ago, made uh, rangefinder lenses uh, in both, I think, an M-mount, a Leica screw mount, and both contacts and uh, Nikon S-mount. Now, again, with the contacts and the S-mount, as I mentioned earlier, uh, compatibility can be a, a bit of a question mark. So if you're shooting a, Nik a Nikon rangefinder, get the Nikon, the Nikkor S mount. Can't stress that enough. Uh, the, the 28 millimeter lenses from Voigtlander are really nice. And that might be the solution instead of going for the vintage Nikkor. Cause bear in mind in the 1950s, anything wider than 35 was they really didn't get the whole handle on wide angle lenses until the sixties. And we're talking the late sixties. And by then Nikon was out of the rangefinder game. Now I should also preface, um, 
Nikon in the early 2000s decided for kicks and giggles to remake the rangefinders. Uh, it was predominantly a Japanese market, but again, a bunch wound up in North America. Uh, they are more expensive, but that's more for collector value. Uh, they've had to basically pull people out of retirement to make them. My brother owns a few, and I've handled them. I haven't shot with them. So again, I handling them, they they feel really nice in the hand. And again, it comes down to what's your budget. If you're on a budget, then I would just say look for an S2 with a 50 f2 lens, and you'll be happy. If you want to add some wide-angle lenses, then you got to find accessory viewfinders. Now, there are a couple options for that. Nikon themselves made a variable viewfinder, which will cost you a couple hundred dollars if you can find one. Or you can go with Voigtlander or who knows, maybe some no-name one from China. Like they've, again, there's an ecosystem for rangefinder cameras and, you know, people will make stuff to support that community. So what if it doesn't have a brand name on it? You just want a rough idea. What's it going to look like on the frame when you're done? And there you go. <laughs> and you even might be able to find Soviet um, viewfinders as well that have the variable one. I know that when I first got my Contact 3A, it came with one of those and I had one. No, I already had it. I got it with a Leica that had various different focal ranges, focal lengths on it. It was okay, but it worked. And that's all that matters in the end, right? Okay, so now that we got rangefinder out of the way, probably the best known cameras are the F-mount SLRs. And there are a lot to choose from. But if you are just getting into it, the first thing you want to do is take a look at your existing lenses. If you shoot a Nikon digital SLR, you already probably you probably have a set of lenses. One thing you do need to watch out for is if you have DX lenses, they won't work perfectly with your Nikon SLRs. You also have to watch out whether you have a D or G-type lenses and choosing from there. If you have a G-type lens, you're going to want to go with more modern cameras that have control over the aperture from the camera body. And the first one that did that was the F401. So if you have a G-type lens, you can mount it on your F401 and it'll work perfectly. But other than that, um, yeah, just take it from there. And probably one of the best known starter cameras for a lot of people would be the Nikon F. First came out in 1959. And you're going to see a lot of different prices on the internet for these and it's all based on whatever meter head it has if you're just getting started don't bother with a meterless prism you're going to pay a lot more money for it and even if you get one with a metered head that doesn't work your camera itself will still work um, and then it's just a matter of buying lenses and one of the best deals in Nikon lenses is pre-AI glass. Exactly, Alex, because pre-AI glass, it doesn't mount on AI cameras that don't have the retractable uh, lug. That makes pre-AI, most, I'd say the vast majority of pre-AI glass cheaper. If you're looking at the 20 uh, F3.5, yeah, that's going to cost you some money regardless. So if you're kind of getting, you say, you know, you found a Nikon F, or a Nikon F, 
in a thrift store. It's got a TM meter head or an FTM meter head. The meter may or may not, if at all, but the shutter speeds are fine. Uh, you've got a usable camera and uh, it may or may not come with a Nikkor H50 F2 lens or a Nikkor S51 4 lens. Both are great lenses. Don't worry about it. So then it's like, okay, what lens should I get next? Well, you've got the 28H 3.5, which is the classic wide-angle lens. Uh, there's the Nikkor S35 2.8, the Nikkor O35 2.0, if you want to sort of channel late 1960s United Press International press photographer, and of course the 105 2.5 portrait lens, which I sort of touched upon with rangefinders. Again, the classic F mount up until about, I think the early 70s was a sonar. If it was a chrome nose Nikkor uh, H1052.5, uh, it would be, I think, a sonar. I think they, there was a bit of a cutoff with the serial number, and then, and then Nikon kind of mucked around under the hood and switched to a Schneider Zenitar style formula. Not that it's a bad thing. Uh, they both render amazing. It's just, you know, the look will be slightly minusculely bit different. Now, again, that's just being lens geekery gone to the extreme. Uh, and, and, you know, in the end, it's academic. Does it look nice is the big question. And other lens you may want to look at is the uh, Nikkor Q135 f2.8 with the retractable um Lens Hood, which uh, our mutual friend and uh, co-host emeritus John Meadows always struggled with with his, and I always made sort of like incredulous when I just did it without even looking at it. <laughs> and then, of course, it, the final lens that it's uh, be interesting to look at is the uh, the Q two hundred f four, which is sort of like another classic photojournalist kit, uh, especially if you want to rec re if you're doing re. Um, war reenactments with Vietnam and you're the press photographer. Yeah, you're going to want the 200 F4 there along with a few other pieces as well. But again, if an F is uh, a little on the expensive side, another one is to look at is the Nicromat FTN. And that is as cheap as chips for now. I, funnily enough, was looking on eBay recently. The FT2 has crept up in price. And I, I kind of like, I'm sorry, I was the evangelist for the longest time. And damn. I am so sorry. Along with Alex Lux, he's just sort of making faces on the side. But again, if you come across either of those in your travels and everything works, uh, it doesn't hurt to invest in us. And again, if you're coming across any of this stuff, and set aside 200 bucks for a CLA. And you're going to say, but man, it's worth more than the camera. Yeah, but you're going to get 20 more years out of that camera easily. Think about it. Uh, and then, again, then you're getting into F2, which is sort of the 1970s, and it's a little more convenient than the F. Uh, again, another amazing camera to, to ponder if you come across one in your travels. I, I can't recommend them enough because they are built like trucks, and they just keep on trucking, for lack of a better term. And with the F2, one of the best things is, is that if you get one with the absolute last meter head, you have full AI support and at which point you're you're just laughing all the way to the bank but honestly one of the best one of the greatest deals in the F2 is to go with one with the original photomic head because it takes silver cells 
right off the bat stock. So, and chances are, even though it's an older head, it will still work. I ran an F2 Photomic for years, and the meter never skipped a beat. Yeah, the only Achilles heel with the early F2s is the resistor ring and the meter, but again, that's just like the early, early production F2s. I think they kind of improved it. As, and again, as Alex mentioned, it is probably the bargain of the century out there if you're a pro-grade body that's built like a truck. But an F2 Photomic can take pre-AI lenses, AI lenses with the, as long as you've got the, the quote-unquote rabbit ears metering prong, you're good to go. And probably the one, if you want to get, if you're a real F2, is the F2SB, because that's like uh, an F2AS, but it can take all the pre-AI glass as well as the... But again, you're you're going to spend a little bit more. You're looking at about $400 for that body versus like 200 if you're buying from a used camera dealer that's, you know, honest with their pricing and they stand what they're selling. Now, um, another one that oftentimes will get brought around are the small body SLRs. And that's, of course, the FE, the FM, the FM2, 2N, FE, FA, FG20. Um, the FG and the FG20, they're great cameras. The one problem is, is that they die very easily. Um, same can be said about the EM. I but coming from personal experience, I've had too many of them die to make them worthwhile buying, especially the um, the FG, FG. I've had two of each, and all of them have died very, very quickly. So in my opinion, you should just avoid them. Spend the extra money and buy one of the better ones. If you are a huge camera nerd, um, the FA is a great choice, and they are relatively inexpensive on the used market. Um, they have full AI and AIS support. You don't need to have that metering prong attached. So you can use almost any lens that is that, including your AF first, second, and the D-type third generation. The one caveat with the FA is you want if you want to leverage the matrix metering, you do need AIS lenses because it's got the little divot in the... Oh, really? So you don't need the little divot. Okay, good to know. So the divot really is only, you only really need AIS lenses for your longer lenses. So an 85 to the 200, because it will support what's called fast program mode, where it will ensure that the shutter speed is fast enough to avoid camera shake. So if you're on a, if you mount a 200 millimeter, it will make sure that your shutter speed is at least one two fiftieth of a second, as long as you have that AIS lens. Anything really under 85, you can get away with AI lenses because camera shake is negligible when you're at that point. But the FA does leverage that more than the FE series and the FM series. Well, you learn something new every day. Now, say you're a D again, we sort of touched on the DSLR uh, if you're a DSLR Nikon, Nikon user and you've got some G glass that's not too young and it's full frame, you could probably and you say, "Hey, I want to dabble in film, messing around with film." And I say, "Well, look for an F80, an F100, or if you're in good shape, an F5, or if you've got more money than you know what to do with, an F6." And sadly, the F6 was sort of like the, the swan song of film cameras for Nikon, for Nikon until they decide they want to fire that assembly line up again. Highly doubt it in this day and age, but that's a story. For, but yeah, the um, 
then you can use your lenses. Now, say, for example, you want an autofocus Nikon kit, but you don't have F6 kind of money floating around the sock drawer. I would even look at the F90X, or if you're an American, the N90S. Uh, you can still get those reasonably cheap. Now, granted that you know, can no longer really find them for 35 bucks, like say 10 years ago, but you can find them for in the low $100 range and you've got full matrix metering in it. You've got, a, unlike the F4, uh, covered somewhere in a previous episode, this one has a really decent autofocus sensor. And I just, and you sort of build up a, a small AFD lens kit. You and if you're going to run with something like that, the one I would look at, if you're looking for one lens to cover most of your situation, Nikon AFD 28105 F3.5 to 4.5. And even has a macro function between 50 and above. What's not to love with that lens? That is my go-to lens for my video work. Like most of the YouTube videos, I use the 28 to 105. I can zoom it out to 28 get the big picture, I can zoom it all the way to 105, and even though it only opens up to f4.5, if I position myself right, there's enough compression that that f4.5 looks really good. I can really throw that background out of focus. So you can't go wrong with that lens. That is actually one of my favorite autofocus lenses. I use it on my f5, and again, some probably the more the hardcore peers say, well, why don't you get a 28 to 70 f2.8? Uh, sure. That's a little more money, and it weighs a lot more. And if you're hiking in the woods with an F5, I'm not going to run with a 28 to 70 and the 80 to 200 2.8 lenses because that's weight you don't want to carry with you. So it's like that sort of segues into the next lens. It's a 70 to 210. It's, it's actually, a, for the money, it's also a great telephoto. Like, I've used it on occasions up north, again, with the F, with the F5, and... I've been very happy with the results. And again, you can kind of get away with just the 28105 and the 72210, 72210, or enunciating my words. I, the, um, with that combination, you're set. So if you're into prime lens, the Nikon AFD 514 is a go-to. Uh, if you're on a budget, the 518 is like the gem of the century. If you like plastic, fantastic. Uh, and again, if you don't have the money for the AFD. The second generation AF is just as good. And again, if you're not shooting with flash, you work, the second generation AF will work just fine for you. And I've got like an AF second E518 lens that I really love. And I also have eight. And that is an amazing lens. The AIS 28 2.8, I think some people will kind of, uh, the more geeky lens people will sniff at it as not Nikon's best, but it delivers the results you need. And again, it's, again, you can get, the prime lenses aren't that expensive. A lot of them were made. And, but again, if you're looking for something like, say, a better 28 lens, like say the 28 F2, yeah, you're going to be spending more money. So it really kind of depends. Maybe an autofocus lane, you run with a 24-28 and you're okay. And I also have a 20 F2, and that is an amazing lens for street work. Oh man, I could I could talk for hours on um, the AF Nicker Prime lenses. So, um, in full disclosure, the um, 
first and second generation AF2828. The lens construction is based on the series, which a lot of people will basically go like, well, that lens is terrible. You're wrong. You can fight me on that one. It is a perfectly capable lens, and I get absolutely delightful results out of my 28F2.8. Thank you very much. And you can just stick your whatever, whatever, you know where. Um, I'll second the 24 2.8, um, second generation. Um, a lot of people will look at that one funny because the front element sticks out a lot further. Um, but other than that, it's again, perfectly capable. If you're an absolute wide angle junkie and have a lot of disposable income sitting around the 14 millimeter F 2.8 D is an absolutely wonderful lens to use and is wider than what you'll ever need and is a lot lighter than the 14 to 24 to um but yeah um on bill's comment about the 28 to 70 great lens unfortunately because it's an early swm lens the focusing motor does die mine has and you're left with a very fast very expensive manual focus lens but it's still perfectly capable as a manual um i know we've thrown a lot of stuff out at you so um, with his last words is Bill. Okay, one lens that is not made by Nikon. And if you're running with a Nikon system, and you should consider, they're they're not hyper expensive, but they're not cheap either. And I'm talking about the uh, latest generation 40 F2 Voigtlander Ultron SL2 lens. I have fallen in love with that lens. It comes with a metering prong. And the current variation looks like a pre-AI Nikkor lens. Uh, it's a spherical. It's, uh, oh boy, it looks great with black and white. It looks great with color. And I've basically been, it's been living on my FM2, my FM3. I have been just like, oh, wow. So you're looking at about $650 Canadian. Uh, granted, the Voigtlander lens hood for it is another $80. I said go pound sand and Nikkor uh, 35F2 lens hood, and it works just fine. So, yeah, it, and, it's, and the other thing with this lens, it's chipped. So it's got, it's got, it's got the uh, pickups on it. So, yes, your flashes will work with it, too. And you can get full matrix metering out of your F5 and your digital SLRs, too. Does that mean that? Nice. I may need to get another Hasselblad just to sell it to buy the lens. I know we've thrown a lot at you, um, but honestly, when it comes to Nikon, there is a lot out there to do. And the best thing to do is to sort of take a look, see what you have already, see what you like to shoot, see what you're familiar with. If you're using the Maxim system, I would definitely go with autofocus Nikons. If you're used to manual focus, go with the manual focus ones. If you like a small body SLR from Olympus, it's very easy to switch over to the small body SLRs from Nikon or even the Nikkor mat because you've got that shutter speed right around that lens mount. There are expensive Nikons. There are cheap Nikons. Um, there are really cheap Nikons that you should not buy. I'm talking about the Nikkor X line of so yeah, I, I know we didn't really give a solid answer, but if you are brand new to film photography and want to get into Nikon, I would recommend going with an autofocus SLR system because it means that you have access to 
great metering and full program AE. So you can really learn what you like in a film stock, and then you can go backwards and start picking up on your semi-auto and manual exposure in something that's a lot more familiar if you're wholeheartedly agree and again it's like if you're a newbie film photographer and, and again going with an autofocus and you keep it reasonable i would look at an uh, nikon f90x or again like i said earlier if you're part of the american part of the audience the n90s and the nikon uh afd 518 then you've got yourself the perfect point and shoot and you can set it to program mode and off you go. Or if you want to be a little more adventurous, you get your priority. You've got center weighted uh, spot metering and of course matrix, which is my favorite. And uh, you can't, uh, and again, you're not going to go into bankruptcy setting of this kit up. And the big bonus that F90X and 90S takes double A's. Well, folks, that wraps it up for this episode. As always, my name's Alex Lokes. Shoot what you love with what you love on what you love. Don't give in to the hype. This is Bill Smith. I'm an icon fanboy. Deal with it.